Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today, I'm joined by Chris Cochran. Chris is the Advisory CISO and Chief Evangelist at Huntress, and we're here today to discuss doing more with less within your cybersecurity strategy. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no reason at all, mate. Um, could you just uh, let our audience know a little bit about who you are, what you do, and a little bit about Huntress as well? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Chris Cochran. I've been in cybersecurity for just about 20 years. I started at the uh, National Security Agency when I was in the United States Marine Corps. I got to go to Cyber Command when it first stood up. I've been at some really cool places like Mandy and Booz Allen Hamilton. I've led threat intelligence at Netflix. I've led uh, security operations teams, security engineering teams, uh, just done a little bit of everything. And then also I'm a content creator. I've been creating content for the past five years or so from podcasts, web series, commercials, and all that good stuff in cybersecurity. So yeah, been living and breathing this stuff for a little while now. Yeah, awesome. And then yeah, about uh, Huntress. Yeah, Huntress is uh, uh, my day job right now. And uh, we are really focused on supporting the 99%. There are a lot of enterprise level clients, uh, they get a lot of support from the solutions that are out there. But we decided to take a different approach and really service those small to medium sized businesses that don't get all the same bells and whistles that some of the bigger companies get. So we just want to help protect the, the folks that aren't able to protect themselves and make it easy while it happens. And obviously, we're talking in this podcast specifically about how you can, you know, really do more with less when it comes to cybersecurity. My, my kind of first question for you, Chris, would be, why is this even necessary? And how did we get here? Yeah, I would say there's three reasons why we're having to do more with less. Uh, one has to do with the threat, right? What's going on out there in the world. Uh, one has to do with our own individual attack surface. And then the other thing is probably the global economy. So from the threat perspective, it seems like operations are maturing, right? You have ransomware as a service. You have these criminal organizations that are really, really mature, and they're able to support businesses and criminal organizations at scale. So that's part of the reason why it's so difficult. Uh, also, we're dealing with uh, complete technologic transformation. A lot of folks are having to move remote. A lot of folks are adopting things like cloud. And so that's broadening our attack surface, even though it's really helpful from uh, an efficiency and effectiveness uh, perspective for businesses, it can lend to more attack surface being available for these attackers to attack us. And then ultimately, I think about the global economy, everyone's kind of like in this holding pattern right now. They're a little concerned about where things are going to go. So they're being a little bit more cautious with their spending. Uh, they're starting to cut budgets in certain places. We've seen some layoffs here in the U.S. over the last year or so. And so with that in mind, I know that there are a lot of organizations out there that are having to do more with less. Maybe they're continuing the same operations, but operations are going to get continuously more complicated with the other two things that we mentioned. And now with this uh, economy situation, they're really having to get creative. They're having to do more with less. They're having to look at the people, the technology and the processes that they have in order to support the business. Mm, and I think where this kind of all starts is, you know, really 
learning how you can make the most out of what you have available to you. I guess, you know, from a, from a tech standpoint, from a people standpoint, what are some best practices that you can recommend? Yeah, I would say there's a lot of things that you can do. If, if you look at any solid framework, CIS controls, for example, you look at the NIST framework, you start to look at where are the, the biggest pieces of that cog, that machine that we could start to mature and focus to keep us from fighting way too many fires. So if you look at something like MFA, right, if you're enabling MFA on different things, you're using things like single sign-on uh, to enable uh, connectivity for different applications and services for your organization, that makes it a little easier to not only monitor, uh, it makes it easier to analyze when things go wrong, but just ensuring that you have a repository for understanding who is connected to what and, and how do we give additional protections above and beyond passwords, right? Uh, that Those are some of the simple things, right? Uh, everything from MFA to uh, email controls or going all the way through training, right? You talked about the people perspective. Uh, I think that cybersecurity is becoming one of those normal kitchen table conversations in everyday life. And so I think that our users are starting to get used to this cybersecurity conversation. So the more that we talk to our users about cybersecurity, why it's important to be diligent, some good behaviors to, to use on the network, I think that's what's going to make things a little bit easier, enable us to, to do more with less. And I guess, you know, the, the ultimate goal of all of this is to really put teams into a position where, you know, they don't have to be reactive anymore. And obviously, you know, get them equipped to be prepared and able to be proactive in their approach. Why is that proactivity so important? So it's really important to get proactive because if you're just fighting fires all day long, fires that you can't plan for, fires that you have to wrap your mind around, that's where burnout starts to come in. So leveraging high uh, leverage things like EDR, right? From an EDR perspective, if you're leveraging EDR, even better, a managed EDR, so your team can focus on other things and you can leverage a partner to help support those operations, right? Because it can be very, very tedious. It takes a lot of uh, knowledge. It takes a lot of experience to be able to, to sort through those things, to find the really bad things and get rid of the the non-essentials. But I would say from that perspective, getting too proactive is like a dream uh, for a lot of cybersecurity practitioners. But honestly, a lot of us never get there because we always say, hey, we want to start doing things like purple teaming. We want to start threat hunting, but we almost never get there because we're busy fighting the reactive stuff. We haven't cleaned up our signatures uh, at the firewall. And so we're dealing with false positives all day long. But in order to get the proactive, we have to start to leverage these things, people processes a technology in order to get to proactive. But it's just going to take some elbow grease to get there first. You make uh, working in cybersecurity sound so uh, stressful. Is it? Is that? Is that just? <laughs> is that just part of the job? Or? <laughs> yeah, it can be part of the job. It can be stressful. I would say that one of the the best abilities that someone can have, especially when you're dealing in, in cyber operations, is being able to keep a level head. Uh, I've been in incident response situations where you have to really calm down and almost like separate yourself. You have to be get become really present in the moment, but separate your emotions from the the, the situation at hand because it can be stressful. You're, you're thinking about protecting people's data. You're thinking about protecting the people that you work with because a lot of these attacks, they interrupt operations. They, inter they take you off of the work that you're supposed to be doing. 
And so I, I think that one of the best things that people can do in these situations is learn how to keep a level head, learn how to just kind of go, go through it without being attached to, to the outcome too much, right? You want to do your best work when you're solving something like a, an incident response, but sometimes um, you, you just have to kind of grit through it and, and keep a level head. Yeah, I guess that's especially true when when it comes to, you know, more um, critical infrastructure and critical industries where you really need to, you know, snap to it. And there is a lot of stake, um, you know, particularly in, in healthcare. Um, do you how are you kind of seeing the attack landscape in the healthcare industry? And is there, you know, challenges that healthcare providers really have to look out for that's unique to that sector? Yeah, I would say there's a lot that healthcare uh, has to look out for. And, and honestly, I, I even hate to say this because there was a time where it seemed like the cyber criminals were trying to leave healthcare alone for, you know, for pretty much the, the majority of their operations. And I think they just had some sort of moral code. But these days, now that you have these organizations that are popping up where any Joe Schmo criminal can leverage cybersecurity capabilities to attack something, now you're starting to see these attacks just across the board uh, with no pause, no concern for for human life, uh, which is really, really unfortunate. And the what makes it even tougher for healthcare is that there's a lot of things that are kind of against them. Uh, what's against them is uh, IoT, right? They have a lot of devices that have a lot of varying degrees of security built into them. And those devices could be used to launch into different attacks. You have ransomware. If there's a hospital, we've seen this in the media. If, if a hospital or a health call organization is crippled with ransomware, it's hard for them to operate, right? There's a lot of secondary and tertiary effects that happens to healthcare organizations when they can't, they can't operate, whether you're talking about billing, whether you're talking about uh, even keeping the, the hospital running itself. Um, and then also you, you have to look at things like the, the age of the operating systems that, that are leveraged across the board, right? This is similar in manufacturing. In manufacturing, there are a lot of old machines that are running old systems, running old software, and that can present a problem. That can widen the attack surface for these organizations. So it, especially in healthcare, because a lot of those devices are very expensive to replace. It's just not a, a blink of an eye. There is no patch that you can just drop onto it to, to help it out. There's a lot that has to happen from that maturity standpoint when it comes to healthcare. So I would say healthcare is one of those uh, verticals that needs the most help from their partners, from technology, and from the people that they have in their in their organizations. It's interesting you mentioned that shift about healthcare. You know, seeming like they're a little bit more in the crosshairs now. Is that a shift that kind of happened post COVID? Do you think that was like a catalyst for it? Or yeah, I would say it was. I remember in the very beginning of COVID when a lot of the COVID targeting started happening, they were using COVID as like a fishing vehicle for a lot of things. I saw a lot of chatter from different groups about not going against uh, certain places like going against the US government or going against healthcare. But it seems like those, those limiters have been taken off completely. I've seen more attacks against hospitals over the last two years than I have probably my entire career before that. So I'm, I'm seeing a bit of a shift in, in what cyber criminals are willing to target. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So obviously moving forward, um what what can healthcare um what what can healthcare institutions really do to help protect themselves from these attacks and uh, you know really mitigate the damage that attackers can do? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. 
train your people, right? This isn't just for healthcare, but this is everybody across the board. You know, enable your people to, to learn more. Everything is changing. Technology is changing on a daily basis. So enable your folks to learn and stay on the cutting edge and help support the security practices in your org. Also, um, leverage uh, partners, right? If, if you don't have the, the help inside, go to an outside partner, go, go to an MSP, go to someone that's going to enable you to do the work that you're paid to do. And then bring someone in that that's either an expert in that field or someone that can ease, at least supplement your team to help out uh, from that perspective. And then also, I mean, look at technology as, as a way to help protect yourself. Leverage as much technology as you possibly can. You can't out technology bad processes. So understand what your processes are, really get clear on that, and then leverage the technology, leverage the people to support the processes that you have in place. And that's what's going to help you mature as an organization. That makes a lot of sense. And final question for you today, Chris. You know, obviously we we kind of touched on, um, you know, some of some of the really good traits that you found in cybersecurity professionals. Um, for for those kind of listening who maybe are feeling a little bit overwhelmed, um, for those who maybe are feeling like cyber criminals are just moving so much faster than than the industry can keep up with, do you have any final words of advice for those? who are feeling at a bit of a loss right now? Yeah, I would say three things. Uh, number one, breathe, right? It's, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So breathe. Stay as cool, calm, and collected as you can. I would say uh, look out for people that can help support, whether it's helping you with information, with knowledge, with training, with understanding, with uh, tippers when it comes to the threat intelligence. Uh, just Talk to people in your space, especially if you're working in, a, in an industry or a vertical like healthcare, right? Find where all the other healthcare cybersecurity practitioners are operating and leverage them as much as possible, right? Give them information, but then also get information from them to help you with your operations. And I would say the last thing is uh, just stay as up to date as you possibly can on the threats. There's a lot of threats that are going on out there. Not everything is going to need your attention. But figure out what that threshold is, figure out what your intelligence requirements are, and then set as much as you can from a technological perspective to help you uh, build that Iron Man suit around your operations. Figure out exactly what do we need to do, what can we automate, and make sure that we eventually get to proactive and not have to stay reactive in perpetuity. Very well said, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on to the uh, podcast today. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. And also thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast as well. We hope to call it away from today's episode, but for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to Huntress.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn, and for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.